My name is Dr. Tram Jones, and since 2019, my wife and I have been living in Haiti. This is the story of our life there and the patients we've seen. The FBI and Haitian National Police received the call at daybreak. They had been waiting two months for this, not knowing if the day would ever come. It was one of the American hostages asking to be picked up. Law enforcement raced to the area of Morne Cabrit, to the northeast of Port-au-Prince. This was still gang-held area, but they were arriving in force. The zone was near the last ping they had received before the cell phones of the hostages went dark nine long weeks before. That had been a lifetime ago, the first time the world realized that 17 Americans and Canadians had been kidnapped in Haiti. As the convoy approached the area, they saw the group walking along the road, all 12 of the remaining hostages, including a 10-month-old little baby, in the arms of its mother. The group was loaded into cars and routed to the airport, where a U.S.-flagged Coast Guard plane whisked them away to Florida. The next day, as the former captives were readjusting to life in America, indeed, life outside of confinement, they released a message. It read in part, A word to the kidnappers. We do not know all of the challenges you face. We do believe that violence and oppression of others can never be justified. You caused our hostages and their families a lot of suffering. However, Jesus taught us by word and by his own example that the power of forgiving love is stronger than the hate of violent force. Therefore, we extend forgiveness to you. And this is what we're going to talk about in today's episode. Several Christians have been held hostage in Haiti over the last year. And when they are released and able to speak about their ordeal, the messages are rarely messages of hatred or vitriol. They do not ask for revenge. They are instead messages of forgiveness. Living in Haiti has reminded me of the power of Christianity, of a gospel of forgiveness. Growing up, so much attention in church was placed on doing the right things, avoiding specific behaviors. And yet, I struggled at times to discern the difference being a Christian made in the way people treated each other. But in the darkness, sometimes, we see Christians sending a message of love and forgiveness that doesn't make sense, and it can renew our faith. The hostages that were released were all Mennonites, dedicated to pacifism and non-resistance to violence. They had been working for years in the Quadibouque area, providing support for orphanages and medical clinics in gang-held hands. These are rarely the type of Christians that make the news. They are probably not what you think when you think of evangelicalism in America. They are closely related to the Amish, wearing the same distinctive old-fashioned clothes. The Amish made headlines in 2006 when a gunman entered a schoolhouse and killed five Amish schoolchildren. And yet, contrary to what we might have come to expect from a shooting in a religious area in the United States, no one in the community picked up their guns. No one called for revenge. The day of the shooting, a grandfather of one of the murdered girls admonished his younger relatives, we must not think evil of this man. Members of the Amish community went to visit the family of the murderer comforting them, and extending forgiveness. Thirty members of the Amish community attended the funeral of the killer. The wife of the murderer was invited to the funeral for the girls. Later, she had this to say, Your love for our family has helped to provide the healing we so desperately needed. Gifts you have given have touched our hearts in a way no words can describe. 
Your compassion has reached beyond our family, beyond our community, and is changing our world. It's no surprise, then, how these Mennonites approached the kidnappings. Even while they were in captivity, the communication from their families was consistently messages of love. One father of a hostage said, As a family, we are giving forgiveness to these men. We are not holding anything against them. The Mennonites were consistent, even when they were released. And their forgiveness was not forgetfulness. They were very clear that the hostages had suffered. There was no sweeping under the rug of what was done to them. But in lockstep with that truth was the choice of forgiveness and love. In Haiti, I have been privileged to see that this attitude is not limited to a particular sect. Let me tell you the story of a Catholic priest. Reverend Michel Briand is a Frenchman from the northwest of France, Brittany to be exact. On a bright April morning, he was accompanying several Haitian clergy and a fellow French nun to ordain a priest in the suburb of Quadibouquet. Traffic was bad as usual, but they slowly made their way out of downtown Quadibouquet. The road opened up slightly, and they turned off onto a side street. Suddenly, a dozen armed men appeared on the road in front of them. The group was terrified, although perhaps not shocked given the terrible reputation of Quadibouquet. The driver was signaled to pull into a compound nearby, and all the passengers were told to put their belongings in a bag to be stolen. However, soon the passengers could see the gang discussing amongst themselves, realizing the potential value of the foreigners. Eventually, a gang member hopped in the driver's seat and sped the group away. They were taken deep into gang territory. They stopped under a large tree in the midst of a thicket. For the next few days, they would sleep under the tree, on cardboard sheets. Over the next two weeks, they were moved to safe houses and kept inside. By the third week, the gang started limiting food in an attempt to encourage a ransom payment. Finally, after three weeks, they were jostled awake in the middle of the night. They were being set free. One of the gang members hugged Father Briand as he was leaving. Pray for me, he asked the priest. Briand looked him in the eye and told him, We have been praying for you from the beginning. You didn't have to ask. Father Briand did not have hatred in his heart. He was dedicated to the Haitian people. He had moved from France 35 years ago, living among the poor in Haiti, and his life had not been easy. He had been through a lot. In the 2010 earthquake, his rectory collapsed. In 2015, he was leaving a bank when suddenly a man on a motorcycle sped up, shot him twice, and stole his satchel. Briand was seriously injured, requiring evacuation to France for medical care. And yet, he returned. As Father Briand said after being released from captivity, it is not because you have been bullied by some Haitian people that it is all the people that bully you. The French nun who had been held captive with Father Briand had been subjected to the same fear. But she doesn't blame the individuals. She knows that the Haitian government has done next to nothing to help poor people who often turn to crime. After her release, she said, I don't hold it against them, and I wouldn't even say that they're responsible. I pray a lot for them so that they can come out of this hell where they live. Half of us probably think this talk is madness, maybe even Stockholm Syndrome. In America, the idea of the Christian faith is that you believe in certain things, that Jesus is the Son of God and came to earth and was raised again. Maybe you don't have sex before marriage and you go to church on Sunday. We accept the forgiveness of our sins. And we sometimes forgive others. But we also have a legion of reasons why forgiveness of our enemies doesn't make sense in our case. And it all comes back to pragmatism, probably more the trait of an American than of Jesus. If you forgive them and don't punish them, where's the justice, we ask? 
That's just not how the world works anymore, we say. If you forgive them, what incentive did they have to change? If you love them, they can only hurt you more. Some people only respond to force. The only way to stop a bad man is for a good man to fight him. We have all the explanations down. I'm not saying these are necessarily false or that I even disagree with them politically, but let's not pretend they're core Christian beliefs. Surely Jesus faced the same constraints. In poor Israel, like in most poor places around the world, might made right. And yet, showing love to your enemies is a core belief of Christianity, constantly preached by Jesus. The thrust is that a Christian should recognize his own weaknesses and failings, and because he is forgiven for those, he has the power to forgive those that hurt him. And that forgiveness shouldn't necessarily make sense to culture. It shouldn't necessarily be pragmatic. Many of us know the verses that talk about this, and maybe we just blaze past them. Luke chapter 6 says, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those that curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. On the cross, Jesus prays for his executioners. Stephen prays for his murderers as well. When Peter asks Jesus how many times he should forgive someone who hurts him, Jesus answers at least 490 times. I suspect that most of us, after two to three times, would think, I don't want to be a pushover, and this is clearly not working. In my experience, myself and most Christians act similar to the general population. We may forgive a minor problem once or twice, but if something major is done, we turn away. Obviously, Haiti is not a place where Christians are perfect, but there are times where I get to have a front row seat to really good people. As an Anglican, I watch the news in America about Catholics. And often all I ever hear about is the priest sex scandal. Clearly, this is a terrible, terrible thing. But I get to see the beautiful side of the Catholic Church, too. Near us, in the heart of crime-ridden Quadibouquet, nuns run a home for the neglected elderly of Haiti. It's never on the news. The largest and most capable pediatric hospital in Haiti is funded by the Catholic Church. Another hospital that cares for our most malnourished patients are also supported by the Church in Rome. When many Americans hear that donations to the Catholic Church are down, they might feel that this is justice. The child abusers deserve this. But I think of these humble servants quietly doing the work of God. It is they and the children and vulnerable people they serve that will be hurt. Christianity has a power if we are willing to accept it, a power that allows us to forgive and love our enemies, to seek to understand them. Yet in all the culture wars and good behavior, we seem to have lost sight of it. To me, the forgiveness of the Amish, the Mennonites, and the Catholic priest give better testimony to the life of Jesus than an altar call. Their actions are so different that we stop and debate within ourselves if it's even wise. But wouldn't it be nice if Christians in America were known not for judgmentalism or perfection, but primarily for unrelenting forgiveness and love? Thank you for listening. Every Wednesday morning, we publish a new narrative from life here. We are simply telling stories as we have seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a rich history, and there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names may have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about the work of Light from Light in Haiti, or to get involved, visit us on the web at lightfromlight.me. Thank you and God bless.